0: Welcome to the ILO Employment Podcast Series, Global Challenges, Global Solutions, the Future of Work. I'm your host, Tom Netter, and today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and its possible impact on employment policies in the future of work. Are we smart enough to manage the impact of artificial intelligence on the world of work? It seems that AI is raising concerns in some quarters, especially in the world of work these days. But in fact, these concerns about whether the growth of AI is a threat or a promise have been growing for years. Is this concern warranted? That's a good question, and there may not be any hard and fast answers right now. So joining us today to look at this issue are two specialists, Uma Rani, a senior economist at the ILO's research department, and Enrique Fernandez Macias, a researcher at the European Commission's Joint Research Center. Uma Enrique Welcome back. It's good to be speaking with you again. So let's start this conversation by just briefly considering this. Some years ago, an ILO study referred to the threats and promise of artificial intelligence in the world of work. Is this approach still relevant? Enrique, what do you have to say about that?
1: Yes, I think that it's uh, even more relevant uh, than it was at the time. Uh, We know we are hearing now all the time about uh, a lot of progress being made in terms of technical progress in terms of AI developments. And there is also increasing application to all sorts of things, including in in economic applications and in in terms of employment. And that means that we really have to look at the threats and promises that these new technologies bring. I have to say that first, there is a disclaimer to be made here, uh, which is that precisely because we are in the middle of a of a period of very fast uh, change and things are changing as we speak there's shifting terrain i would say it's a particularly open context and it's difficult uh, to say something very definite about uh, many of these things so in many ways we, we we speculate on how it sounds but i would say that for sure there are even more promises of uh, productivity and automation of uh, you know great breakthroughs in terms of uh, science and things like that which are incredibly promising but also also, increased risks, uh, risks of job displacement, risks of uh, income inequality, uh, changing power dynamics in labor markets and in workplaces, etc.
0: Thank you for that answer, Enrique. Um, Uma, do you think that AI has the potential to transform employment in a positive way? Or is this something that we don't have much information about at this stage?
2: Thanks, Tom. It's nice to be back on the Employment Podcast series. And to your question, I think we don't have too much information at this stage, but I think there's enough for us to say that it does have a potential to transform employment. Whether it is positive or negative actually depends upon the situation. Now, when I think of AI and use of AI, I think there are two ends that one needs to look at from an employment perspective. One is the usage part, using AI for either accelerating your work or augmenting your work. But there's also the other side of it, right? Which is generating the AI or developing the AI. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. So, you know, when you talk about AI generation or development, there are two ends again. One is the high end where you have the computer programmers who are actually developing these algorithms so that, you know, AI can function. But you also have the lower end where, you know, you have humans actually trying to improvise because though that AI can be operating on a machine learning system and automatically learn from the massive amount of data that is uh, put in, but still you need human verification, which is very crucial for accountability and to ensure that there is no human automation bias that is there. So you know what you see is that on the high end, you can have employment effects in a very positive way. On the low end, You could have employment effects, but I think what's happening today at the low end is you have a number of developing countries which have become large experimentation of AI development to a very large extent. And here you find very highly educated workers actually doing the human verification, whether you're talking about image annotation for driverless cars or you're talking about content review for ChatGPT or content moderation for many of these platforms. And these are done by highly educated workers for about less than a dollar per hour. So yes, employment generation, but probably not the right way for many of the developing countries.
0: Thanks, Uma. Um, Well, I'd like to talk about ChatGPT, but first of all, um, last year you participated in a podcast with Enrique where we talked about the increase in algorithmic management. So I just wanted to ask you to touch briefly on this. Um, Is algorithmic management a form of artificial intelligence and what does this mean?
2: Okay, I think this is very important for us to lay down before we get into this entire discussion. So, you know, an algorithm is a set of predefined rules, which have to be followed in a sequence to solve any kind of a problem and can be used in any situation that is susceptible to any sort of a standardization and encoding, basically. So that's where algorithm comes into place. Now, what's happening with the digitalization is, you know, you have massive amounts of data that is being collected And you also have computers that can process at great speed and magnitude and complexity that you never saw before. So, and they can really solve a whole range of uh, real world problems in a way. Now, once you have that algorithm, that can then be used for management purposes. The minute you start using that algorithm, which in some sense, uh, you know, fed by the data, it can be used to manage certain work processes. It can be used to surveil or monitor or try to control workers. And that's where it becomes actually algorithmic management. So you can define algorithmic management as use of computer program procedures to coordinate work in a particular organization. Now, again, this is not new. We did have data-driven management decisions even earlier in the 1980s where it was used both for business decisions as well as for management decisions within the business process outsourcing industry. And there it used to be called as the algocratic governance. But I think what it, what's become very problematic is as it is governed by certain rules, and can be implemented very automatically without human intervention. It has some benefits in the sense that it can improve the efficiency of in-work organization, but it can also have a number of risks where you can have, you know, you can create quite opp- oppressive work environments. And as many of these algorithms are opaque and quite incomprehensible to workers. So, you know, it might not be necessarily to the beneficial of the workers. And I think that's where it becomes very problematic.
0: Okay, well, um, one of the issues that has come up also uh, in this whole conversation is the issue of the impact of chat GPT. Um, so, uh, to move along, I wanted to ask Enrique about. Um, Uh, How do you see the influence uh, of chat GPT on different kinds of workers?
1: Yes, uh, thanks, Tom. Uh, Well, in general, Uh, when speaking about the impact of recent digital technologies, uh, research has tended to show in recent years that they tended to favor uh, inequality because they tended to be complementary to high skills. And in that way, you know, the initial discussions with this new wave of AI was that perhaps something similar would happen. These new AI tools, to the extent that they are complementary to high skills, they would be particularly beneficial for high-skilled workers and in that sense contribute to... uh, uh, increasing inequalities in the in the labor markets. Uh, now, something that we are starting to see, and this is, uh, you know, there there is still not much actual hard evidence on this, uh, so there is a bit of uh, speculation here. But I I think that large language models such as ChatGPT, one particular thing that they have is that they are sp- amazing cognitive tools, in particular, uh, for broad language and communication purposes. And in that sense, they they tend to uh, facilitate a better structuring of communications, uh, uh, you know, uh, avoiding spelling mistakes. Uh, a number of basic uh, cognitive skills that, for the the higher skill, the the higher educated uh, people in the labor market, these kind of skills are not so much factors of differentiation, but that at the middle and in particular lower scale of the lower parts of the of the labor market, these may actually be very useful, very beneficial. And something similar happens, for instance, with language, uh, with um, being able to speak different languages. This is something that has been for many years uh, a differentiating factor of higher uh, educated workers. And this is something that it seems that advances in AI may make language barriers Disappear uh, effectively in many ways, and this, in in some ways, is something that some people are starting to argue that this could uh, then act as an equalizing factor, rather than as a a factor that may impact in terms of increasing inequality, as previous digital technologies. And this is something. This is an example of the kind of openness that I was mentioning at the beginning of the of the discussion. That we are in the middle of changes that are really uh, so disruptive in many ways that it's difficult to tell where it will go. uh, this possibility that some of these tools, these uh, large language models and AI tools may have an equalizing uh, rather than an inequality enhancing effect, of course, also depends, and this is very important, on the ownership and access of these type of models, of course. Because if uh, these are difficult to access or if these remain under uh, tight control by corporations that charge a lot of money for them or whatever, then these kind of effects uh, may not, in fact, happen. And of course, also what Uma was saying before, these tools can also be used for managerial purposes, and that can have very different uh, types of implications.
2: Yeah, I'd like to come a bit on this uh, take on the equalizing effects. In a way, yes, it could be equalizing for those who don't have the capabilities of having good writing skills and all of that. And you know, you can extend this argument and say that you know today chat gpt has a lot of programming codes because you have the entire bitbucket and github uh, you know basically uh, fed into it and it has its own learning models to actually further develop it but i think the basic for one to even use a chat GPT for programming would rest upon the basic principle of having uh, knowledge on software programming and coding. Because if you don't have that basic knowledge, you know, the chat GPT can spit out something, but there might be a number of errors in those software coding and programming. And you use it and you figure out, well, it doesn't really work. So you need to have some inherent knowledge uh, about many of these things. Otherwise, I fear that you would be only at a superfluous level, but not really having an in-depth knowledge.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, there, there are a lot of issues here that you've both raised in, in uh, these uh, two answers. And um, I would like to talk about uh, gender balance and uh, achieving social justice. But before we do that, I'd like to ask you about Another issue that you've raised, which is, uh, it sounds like this kind of uh, application of artificial intelligence uh, would have more influence in highly digitized economies. But what do we know about uh, the possibility of growth of artificial intelligence in economies where there is less digitalization? Um, Is it growing there as well? Uh, Why don't we start with Uma and then uh, Enrique, if you'd like to uh, join in?
2: Uh, I think to an extent it has started to gain ground in those countries too where there's digitization probably not to the extent to which uh, you see in highly digitized economies and I think it's being used exactly for the purpose that uh, actually Enrique was talking about how it's very easy today to you know ask a chat GPT to write certain things and you can get it so you can see that utility being there but Uh, Whether that's the right direction is, again, something that we need to see. But you don't see uh, a number of other AI recruitment policy tools or other tools being utilized in these economies as much as you see with ChatGPT. But again, you know, the point is that as long as it is open and free, you can see people utilizing it. The minute it is monetized, It actually constrains the number of people from using it because you have to pay in dollars, which is beyond the capacity of many people in these economies to actually pay for it. So my guess would be then it would further increase inequalities actually between not only those who have the knowledge and those who don't have, but also between those who can afford to have Pay and have it, and those who do not have the wherewithal to pay and utilize it. I think there's a, also a fundamental question that needs to be raised within it, which is the ethical, moral question about using this kind of a chat GPT for certain purposes. And I think uh, we are not yet in a debate in our society to think about that or to have that discussion.
1: Maybe if I can uh, uh, come in here. I I think something that is important and in, in some ways is in the back of all this discussion is also the the whole issue about the ownership of these models. Where do they actually reside and who is developing them? And this is because it is true that these models are potentially, they they are uh, immensely powerful. And there are lots of ways in which the same way that this uh, possible equalizing effect that I was mentioning before, you can imagine it uh, in workplaces, in developed economies. You can also imagine this in developing uh, contexts and imagine uh, this type of technologies being used to kind of leapfrogging processes of development as they sometimes say and uh, you know using some of the really really advanced technologies without going to the intermediate uh, phases and then uh, using these to really increase your capacity for 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 growth and and development but it's true something that would worry me in that context is that if in the end, these models are always developed and owned and maintained and everything in developed economies, Uh, then in the end, that in itself can have negative effects, uh, because uh, then developing economies would be just users of models that would be developed somewhere else uh, with different uh, objectives and and different goals, etc. I think that an important issue here that we haven't touched upon, and that may be very important in the future, is that I think it is crucial that there are, apart from the well-known models such as ChatGPT, et cetera, et cetera, there are some of these other alternative uh, open source models that are being developed uh, that are normally based on free underlying algorithms and and, and software packages and everything that can be used by anyone and this is something that is actually developing very very fast and some of these open source models which are completely open uh, for use by anyone and actually in some cases you can download them in your local uh, pc and run it locally from your own location i think this uh, uh, is very important when we are discussing the possible effects of these kind of uh, technologies. And in particular, for instance, in the case of developing economies, because the possibility that these alternative open source, free uh, accessible models exist may create the possibility of developing these models also from the Global South or or, or from uh, these developing economies as well.
2: Just a point to be added to that is even when we talk about leapfrogging in developing economies, I guess this leapfrogging is only for the high end, you know, large companies who can afford to actually utilize and develop it and go. But it leaves behind a large proportion of, you know, the population as we move ahead. And I think there's a far less discussion, I feel, on the development phase of these AI tools, like, you know, uh, there are lots of errors that are there in these AI uh, models. And to ensure that, you know, there is uh, high rates of accuracy, there's a lot of human intervention, as I mentioned before, and I think there's not so much of uh, attention that is being paid today to how we are developing these AI using uh, work, highly educated workers in developing countries. So though these models are being developed for those in the global north, I think there's a huge uh, digital sweatshop of labor in these countries that actually goes about ensuring that everything is accurate so that uh, the algorithm can automatically learn from these machine learning models. And I think that again, needs some attention and raises some questions around social justice, basically.
0: Well, picking up on that um, reference to social justice, um, how do you um, see the impact of uh, AI on gender balance, for example, as well as achieving social justice? Or do you think that uh, AI could lead to more workplace polarization?
1: I think... I mean, on the one hand, AI, and in general, the the use of algorithms for decision making is, as we said in the beginning, there is always this promise and and threat uh, kind of context. You know, in many ways, in making decisions uh, at the workplace, and in particular for issues such as gender balance or issues of justice uh, uh, in the workplace, you want in many ways to make sure that the decisions are balanced and even neutral and are based on clear predefined rules uh, which are applied equally to uh, and fairly to all kinds of uh, of people and in some ways using uh, automatic system, algorithmic systems, uh, even AI systems, in some ways, these can be positive uh, in, in principle, because they can be made also uh, more neutral. Uh, and this is something I remember at the beginning of discussing the use of algorithms at work, etc. that this is something that used to be mentioned. Now, over time, what we came to see is that first, These systems, and in particular AI systems, they tend to build on previous practice and accumulated knowledge in order to be trained and take their decisions. And this means that in practice, to the extent that the pre-existing practices and knowledge were biased themselves, often that means that the AI systems taking these decisions tend to be biased as well. And in a way, uh, I mean, that's not desirable because you just keep on reproducing the pre-existing patterns of, for instance, gender uh, discrimination or inequality or whatever. But also they have the problem, in particular in the case of AI systems, of being uh, relatively opaque. In many ways, what these systems do, that's why uh, you know, these are self-taught systems in, in many ways. There is a kind of uh, closed and, and black box behind decision-making in these systems. And this means that the decisions are made in a way uh, that is so opaque that it's very difficult to really understand why a particular decision has been made. And this is something that tends to be unacceptable in terms of decision making when it uh, affects uh, people and when it has an impact on on issues such as uh, gender balance, et cetera. So this is why in the end, uh, you know, again, uh, there are promises, but there are certainly uh, threats in this uh, in this case.
2: Yeah. I think I would agree with what Enrique has said. And this is something, you know, uh, very similar to what you would see on uh, AI recruitment tools, right? Uh, You see that there are inherent discrimination rules that are there. And as long as these AI tools have some sort of a discrimination, you know, you cannot really address uh, some of the issues about Gender balance or gender discrimination or bringing about social justice, so I think one of the fundamental things that you really need with regard to this is having some sort of a transparency around the algorithm, transparency around the fact as to you know what is the source of the data and how uh, this data has been developed or used, what are the indicators that are deployed within it, and you know what are you using? in this entire process and less and until you disclose many of it and are transparent and are abiding by many of the data privacy rules, you know, it's impossible for you to get into uh, having a gender balance or social justice. Now I think what I want to touch upon a point here, you know, even when you think about having AI to ensure that there is no polarization or anything at a workplace what are you setting that AI at? You're setting that AI at an efficiency level, right? If I'm working in a workplace, then it's about productivity and how do I reach the productivity? And there's nothing that counts as to how I reach it, right? I want by the end of the day, X number of outputs. Now, how you attain that can depend upon a number of Indicators, ethical, unethical, whatsoever. And I think that becomes very problematic with many AI tools that are coming in.
0: Well, I think we can all agree that, um, you know, there are, for as many answers, there are also questions here as well. Um, How do we answer those questions? What kind of research do we need? Uh, Enrique, would you you like to uh, talk about
1: that? Well, right now, what I can say is that we need a lot of research on all of these things because, as I was saying in the beginning, basically, you know, over the last uh, few, even the last few months, there has been this uh, big leap all of a sudden uh, in the, in particular in large language models, but also all sorts of associated uh, technologies. And what I have seen is that, you know, many of the previous findings are being in many ways challenged by this uh, sort of new technologies. I mean, for instance, until not so uh, recently, we were talking about how uh, digital technologies uh, may in particular replace some type of repetitive tasks, but not be particularly good at doing any kind of uh, creative tasks. And now what we have is these systems, which you can kind of prompt in order to help you massively in terms of also creativity and social interaction tasks, et cetera, et cetera. And in many ways, many of our priors are in need of revision. So at this point, what we need is to keep on researching these things and keep on thinking about uh, you know, what are the implications of all of these changes, because without knowing that it's difficult to, to know how to regulate them. I mean, for the moment, what I would say is that what we can try and do, at least while we are... Thinking about this is try to maintain and and reinforce the the structures that we have in in the in in our societies in order to deal with some of these changes in ways that are more beneficial. I mean, I, I was I was surprised recently. I, I don't know if you've heard all of this uh, issue about the writers' uh, strike in the U.S. and it was very interesting because in the end the final agreement that they reached was very interesting in terms of the potential uh, policy uh, in the area of uh, ai and the impact on, on work because basically one of the agreements were that you know the the writers uh, would themselves uh, have the the right to decide when to use ai in their work and and how to use it and uh, and this is a way you know giving a say uh, to the workers themselves who are the ones that would be complemented or whatever by these technologies and negotiating this kind of uh, technologies and their potential implications can be a way to, uh, in, in generic uh, terms, to respond better to these kind of changes. Uh, because when we don't know exactly how these changes will be, it is difficult to, to actually come up with regulations. But at least with these kinds of systems, at least uh, we should try to ensure that whatever solution we come up is a solution that is uh, negotiated and agreed uh, by the people affected.
0: Okay. Just to wrap up, Uma, a uh, last word.
2: Uh, I just want to add to what Enrique is saying about, uh, you know, the next step forward and how do we go about it. I think it's very right. We need to first understand, uh, you know, how these AI tools are being used in workplaces. So we do need systematic research to be undertaken across a number of multiple sectors and in a number of countries, both developing and developed To see how these tools are being utilized, who utilizes them, how does it actually help them. And only then can we have really an understanding about what kind of impacts would it have uh, at workplace or the employment per se, whether it really helps to accelerate or augment the work itself? Or is it leading to, you know, kind of a displacement that you see at the workplace or not? But I think to come to any sort of a conclusion, uh, to me, it would be very fundamental and important to have uh, systematic uh, research to be undertaken. Thank you so much for having
0: I think that's a good place to wrap up here. Um, I wanted to thank you Uma as well as Enrique uh, for sharing your thoughts on this very compelling issue. Um, It's always a great pleasure to speak to both of you. So it seems that right now we're at the point where the main thing we know is that we need to know more about the impact of AI on the working world. And what also emerged is that we need to see how the AI models continue to develop as well as the ethical and moral questions and also the potential inequalities that need to be addressed. But it's also clear that we'll always need real people to make sure that what we get from AI is what we need to make the world of work a better place. This isn't science fiction, it's a fact. Will AI be a threat or a promise in the future of work? From what we've heard today, my guess is it'll be the latter. I'm Tom Netter, and you've been listening to the ILO Employment Podcast Series, Global Challenges, Global Solutions, The Future of Work. For more on this, go to www.ilo.org employment. Meanwhile, thank you for your time.